As folks are coming in, uh, I think we'll just get started. Good afternoon, folks. First of all, welcome to reInvent. I hope you folks are enjoying your time here in Vegas. Um, my name is Anil Kumar, and I'm joined by my colleague Dominic Devakaruni. We both are product managers for AWS CloudFormation at AWS. We are really excited to be here, and together we'll take the next hour and focus more on how and a little bit on why and what. We'll show you how to architect your infrastructure using AWS CloudFormation. We'll also show you how to use CloudFormation and set up a AWS code pipeline. We'll also show you how to continuously deliver changes to stack as you make changes to your template. We'll show all this using a demo that Dominic will run through. But before doing all this, I would like to, sorry, but before doing all this, I would like to take an opportunity to actually show you some of the software release processes and the phases involved in software release processes, uh, mostly enjoyed by, mostly enjoyed by our software application delivery folks. And, and we'll see how we can take some of those best practices and processes and bring to our infrastructure world and continuously deliver infrastructure. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, we we will take them after our session. Dominic and I will hang around a bit uh, after the session, so please come and find us. If you want to interact with us further, you can come and visit our management tools booth in the expo area. Awesome. So, kind of let's take a step back and see what are some of the software release processes. At AWS, we believe that we have four major phases, source, build, test, and production. In the source phase, you basically write your code, potentially getting it reviewed, and want to keep somewhere in the version control tool. The next phase is the build phase. Depending on your platform, you kind of compile your code, run some kind of unit tests. Maybe you're building container images, etc. This is uh, typically an important phase in the software application delivery. Taking a step further is the testing phase. Suppose you are building your system that involves a lot of tiers. You can integrate all those tiers, run integration testing. You can run other kinds of tests, load testing, UI test, testing, and penetration testing, just to make sure that your system is not vulnerable to outside attacks. And then we have this last phase, uh, production, where your code is ready to be deployed in a production environment. Basically, you want to get your application out uh, in front of customers. We also think about how you work through these phases in terms of level, if you will. The one that is most many people are familiar with is the concept of continuous integration, where on every commit your code is going to a central repository, probably getting tested and built depending on the setup that you have. Taking one step further is the concept of continuous delivery, where you have the idea of your, your code is built and tested, and now it's, it's ready for the deployment. It can be deployed in a production server or a pre-production server or an integration server. Typically, continuous delivery involves a gating process for the last mile um, before deploying into your code into the production environment. Uh, then there is this con concept of continuous deployment. The moment you check in your code, it's getting deployed to a production environment. This continuous deployment doesn't involve any manual or gating process. Our focus uh, for today's topic is 
continuous delivery of infrastructure. Now, at this point, we have seen what are the software release phases and different levels that bind those different phases. Now, the question for us is, definitely, we want to take some of the concepts from software application world and bring to our infrastructure world. Uh, the big question at this point is, okay, what are some of the tools or processes that we can actually use to implement continuous delivery for infrastructure? There are actually three things you can start with. The first one is you have to treat your infrastructure as code. I, I'm sure many of you are already familiar with CloudFormation and many of you are already using CloudFormation, but this is one of the most crucial steps. You have to start treating your infrastructure as code. The second thing that you want to do is to find a tool that can manage the workflow, that can bind all the different release phases that, that we have seen earlier. And lastly, you need to find a tool or a feature that can be part of, a, of the service, infrastructure as code service or part of the workflow that can actually conduct some kind of test or inspect your changes before you roll out your stuff into production. Uh, in a few minutes, Dominic will show you actually how you can use a CloudFormation feature to preview changes before rolling out those changes into production. So these things are at very high level. Let's, let's distill this further. You definitely need infrastructure as code. The moment you have a codified format, you enjoy several benefits. The first one is you can version it. You can. Second one is you can share it with your colleagues for review. Third one is you can keep it. A, you can actually share with your folks uh, that can uh, they can reuse to replicate environments. And the second one is you need a workflow so that on every commit, your code is getting built, test, and deployed. You can do all this thing using these two AWS services. AWS CloudFormation, our infrastructure as code service, and our workflow service, AWS Code Pipeline. I'm sure you folks are kind of familiar with AWS CloudFormation, but let's, let's take a moment and talk uh, about AWS CloudFormation. So this is our infrastructure as code service. In a declarative fashion, you can declare whatever you want in, in a JSON format or a YAML format, and CloudFormation will take care of the provisioning and configuring part. Furthermore, CloudFormation will also take care of the dependency needs and the execution order of those resources, so you don't have to worry about those resources. Now, now these things are in codified format. You enjoy several benefits. You can version control it. You can incrementally update those uh, source codes. You can share with your colleagues for review. CloudFormation also integrates with development, other CI/CD and development tools, including AWS Code Pipeline. And of course, you don't pay uh, for using AWS CloudFormation. So this year, we released some of the key features. I would like take uh, would like to take an opportunity to run through these key features. That's kind of. Uh, Beneficial for you to uh, recap these features so that uh, Dominic uh, will have an easy time explaining you folks. The first one is the authoring. We, we are on a mission to improve the authoring experience uh, in cloud formation. So one of the crucial things that we did is uh, provide you another option for authoring. That is YAML. I'll talk in a bit about these things. The second was ability to preview changes before you actually deploy your changes. We launched um, earlier this year, we launched a feature called Chain Sets. 
couple of months ago, we launched a feature called cross-stack references. It allows you to flow your configuration value from one independent stack to another independent stack without uh, worrying about nesting or without writing custom resources. We natively integrated with AWS Code Pipeline so that you can uh, enable continuous delivery workflows for your infrastructure. And lastly, we kind of built a new abstraction called Transforms. Using this transform, you can model, architect and model your serverless uh, uh, systems using AWS CloudFormation. Last piece is a little bit out of scope for this session. Uh, Dominic will talk a bit about continuous delivery. I'll just touch upon the first three ones. So we got a lot of feedback from our customers uh, how we can further improve the offering experience. We launched support for YAML version 1.1. As you can see, YAML uh, is more concise and readable uh, with a lot less punctuation compared to JSON. It allows you to add comment blocks so that uh, your code becomes a little bit more maintainable. And lastly, whatever we support in JSON is supported in YAML, so you do not have to uh, worry much. It's totally up to you, uh, depending on your preference, whether you want to use JSON or YAML. Apart from supporting plain vanilla YAML, we actually did two more things. We introduced something called shorthand notation so that you can express all the CloudFormation intrinsic functions in YAML in a much more concise way and readable way. Second, we launched a new intrinsic function called fnsub. Using fnsub, you can actually do basic string interpolation within the template. So fnsub will let you substitute values in a variable within the template. Let's take an example to recap all this. So this is an arbitrary user data that you would write in a JSON template. The same thing you can express in YAML using all the enhancements like this. As you can see, the code is much more concise. You can use fnsub to actually replace value for the pseudoparameter in this case. You can also use the shorthand notation to express base64 intrinsic function. So as you can see, it's much more concise and much more readable. Customers were asking for a feature that would allow them to do preview of changes before actually executing the changes. We launched a feature called Chain Sets earlier this year. Chain Sets allows you to preview steps CloudFormation would take when you're updating a stack or creating a stack. I'm showing you a basic workflow of updating a stack, including chain sets. So we start with your original stack, and suppose you want to update this original stack. So you update your template. You use this updated template to create chain sets. Chain sets will be generated and will present you blow-by-blow -blow information of what is going to be created, what is going to be modified, and what is going to be deleted. Depending on the contents of chain sets, you can make sure that those changes are in line with your expectation. And if you're happy about your chain set, the contents of the chain set, you can go ahead and execute the chain set. This will help you update the CloudFormation stack. So again, chain sets show you what resources will be created, updated, or replaced when you're trying to update your stack or create your stack. We launched a feature called cross-stack references. Allows you to share information between independent stacks you can flow your configuration value from one stack to another. 
So basically, you suppose you have a stack, you can support, uh, I'll give you an example here, that will be much more easier to understand. You start with a network stack, suppose you want to convey this VPC information, you want to relay this VPC information, you can use the syntax export colon, name colon, prod VPC, you can export uh, this particular information, and you have app stack that would like to consume this piece of information. You can use import value intrinsic function to consume this information. So as you can see, it's, it's a much more you know, concise and neat way to export values uh, from one stack, one independent stack to another without writing any custom resources, etc. Now since we are on the topic of cross-stack references, I would like to touch upon the concept of nested stacks, actually. It's not a new feature, launched a couple of years ago. A um, lot of customers are using nested stacks to enable modularity. So, so the concept is you start with your parent stack, suppose application stack is your parent stack, and using the resource type, AWS colon colon CloudFormation colon colon stack, you can have your child stacks, in this case network resources and ECS service. Suppose you don't want to have everything in one template, but you would like to have one stack. So you can use this concept to break your template into multiple pieces and still manage it as one stack. So it enables, uh, it improves composability and reuse of templates. So after launching cross-stack references, we were getting a lot of uh, questions from our customers that, okay, um, what should I use? This is the scenario. Should I use nested stack or should I, should I use cross-stack references? I would like to point out at this point is that it's important to remember that these are not alternatives of one another. You can use either nested stacks or cross-stack references, or you can have a hybrid of both the features. Totally depends on your architecture, how loosely coupled you want it to be, how tightly linked or tightly coupled you want it to be. So we thought we'll share some of the recommended use cases, advantages and considerations of considerations related to using nested stack and cross-stack references. We'll see where um, these features fits in your scenario. Definitely, if you want to reuse your template, you don't want to put everything in one template, you want to break it up, uh, it's, a, it's a good uh, feature to use. Kind of convenient uh, to manage, you want to have only one stack. Um, so it's kind of convenient uh, in, in that way, and, and it also, uh, uh, that. CloudFormation takes care of all the dependencies and creation order of these stacks involved. A uh, couple of considerations here. Uh, the moment you use nested stack, you, you kind of increased your rollback surface area and even update surface area. So, so if you have a child stack and you kind of uh, feeling the tremors of rollback, then it can uh, flow into your other stacks, parent stack. So you have to understand before using nesting that uh, the rollback surface area is wider in this case. So, so in case if you have a system that requires a lot of updates, then you have to reconsider whether you want to use nested stack or cross stack references. And of course, if you are thinking of reusing template, you have to make sure that all those uh, child templates are kind of modular in nature, kind of generic in nature that can be used uh, across other a system. If you customize it, then you will only use for one system. The, the, the whole concept of reusability uh, might be missed. In case of cross-stack references, um, you can use it to share common resources as we saw in the previous example. You want to flow your VPC information and you have your app stack that consumes that VPC information. If you have that kind of use case scenario, uh, cross-stack references is a very good place uh, to start with. 
you can also observe separation of concerns and separation of responsibility uh, using cross-stack references. Network folks are taking care of network stack. App folks are taking care of application stack. Uh, the biggest advantage is that you, when you start using cross-stack references, you are kind of limiting your blast radius uh, from rollback standpoint, even from update standpoint. So you, you have this independent stack. If, uh, if, you, if you have a stack that is in a rollback situation, then it's just only that stack. It's not, there is no concept of parent stack or rollback flowing to your parent stack. Couple of things to consider. Uh, you have to actually take care of some kind of uh, um, creation order. You have to create, you have to export the value before that value starts to get consumed. So that thing you have to take care of. The other thing is that, uh, if you, you, you cannot delete a stack that is exporting values and that values are getting consumed somewhere through import. So you have to make sure that uh, before deleting that all the references are deleted rather and then you can go ahead and delete. So these are the things that you have to take uh, into consideration before choosing nested stack or cross stack. And I'm sure when you're designing your new system, you will be at a point uh, where you have to decide whether you want to go for nested stack or cross stack references. So feel free to dive deep and, and understand uh, the benefits um, and the considerations that you would like to uh, carry it. A couple of things I would like to highlight here. Uh, cross, um, you can uh, see all the values that are getting exported on console now. We have enabled that functionality. Uh, you can use API and CLI also to uh, see what is getting exported. We'll also launch in a couple of days a feature where you can see what are what are the stacks and which are the stacks uh, importing values. So you'll have that ni nice mapping. So so that information will provide you a lot of visibility into what you can delete, what you cannot. At this point, I would like to invite Dominic. Uh, he will take you through from this point. Hello, folks. Hope you're having a good day so far. Let's um, apply some of uh, what we talked about in the way of continuous delivery and the importance of infrastructure as code and, and uh, needing a platform to manage your workflow. And let's examine a use case and how you would apply both of those things. Let's look at a sample application uh, what we're going to look at is a microservices-based application. Uh, let's deconstruct the application into the necessary AWS resources or CloudFormation's AWS resource types. Let's create CloudFormation templates based on your management needs, based on how you would like to group resources, how you'd like to reuse templates, and, um, and if different teams are going to manage these templates, you, you may decide you want nested stacks as opposed to cross-stack references if the application is managed entirely by one group versus a couple. Um, so we'll look at some of that. Let's then look at modeling your continuous delivery pipeline uh, for your application, uh, the different stages of the pipeline and how you would like to, um, how, how you would like your changes as you iterate on changes to infrastructure, how would you like that to flow into your various environments? And then lastly, you can use, you can codify your workflow. You can codify 
the way you set up your pipeline, the way you set up your stages, all in, all in CloudFormation. So essentially, you can use CloudFormation to set up your continuous delivery pipeline that manages the rollout of your applications and your infrastructure. So let's kind of look at all of those together. The application we've, choos we've chosen to, um, to talk about is, uh, is available at GitHub at um, AWS Labs at ecs.grafarc.cloudformation. It consists of two interconnecting microservices deployed as ECS services, a very simple app, a, a front-end service and a back-end service. The application runs on a highly available ECS cluster uh, deployed across availability zones with auto-scaling. So it's a, it's a nice package of, of different AWS services, and, and let's, let's look at that architecture and look at deconstructing it. Here's kind of a reference architecture. It's a, a VPC across one region uh, deployed with public and private subnets deployed in separate availability zones. You have a highly available ECS cluster uh, managed by an auto-scaling group, an application load balancer to serve up incoming traffic to your ECS hosts, the application load balancer path-based routes for each ECS service, the front-end and the back-end service, and you have NAT gateways and an internet gateway to serve outbound traffic from your ECS host to your internet gateway. This is a, um, this is a very handy um, reference architecture that's on Git, and um, we're going we're gonna to use this to study. There's, there's templates uh, on Git that um, show you this application framework um, in, a, in a nested stacks approach. We'll take a slightly different approach here and, and look at how you construct this via cross-stack references and then deploy that into your pipeline. One last thing that I missed is um, there are CloudWatch logs to, uh, for centralized container logging. Let's look at decomposing this into the AWS resources. We looked at the high-level architecture. Now, what is, this what is this made up of? What is this composed of, right? So in, in your network, you have... Now this breaks down into a, a ton of uh, AWS resource types for cloud formation, right? You have uh, a VPC, you have a, a pair of public and private subnets. Uh, you have, in your private subnets, you have a private route table and a default route uh, that, are, that have an association to tie them together. In your public subnets, you have your NAT gateway and um, elastic IPs, and you have internet gateways as well. For your security elements, we've defined two security groups. One to handle um, the logic for inbound traffic to the ECS hosts, or rather outbound traffic from the ECS hosts, and one to handle inbound traffic from, to the load balancer. You also need a load balancer. In this case, we picked an application load balancer, a listener, and the default target group that's necessary. You'll need your ECS cluster itself with auto-scaling. Um, I think the, the original templates use about uh, four hosts in your ECS cluster. We can, uh, as we look at the workflow, we can look to change those number of hosts and, uh, and see how that flows through your pipeline. 
It also consists of a front-end service um, that handles web traffic and a back-end service that uh, performs the computations. Each of the front-end and back-end service has a task definition and a target group and, and the role um, to register and deregister um, the tasks. And breaking this down into separate CloudFormation templates, you'll have a, a network template like you saw on the left there with all your networking resources. You'll have a security group template for your security groups, so that can be managed independently. You'll have your load balancers in, um, in its own template, your ECS cluster and your front end and back end service. Nice modular separation so they can be, they can be managed independently. You'll need to set up your templates to flow configuration to one another. So your, um, your ECS components and your load balancer can be deployed in your, uh, in, into your VPC. So essentially you have six templates that we talked about. Um, what you will need to flow configuration between one another is outputs from each template. You'll need a VPC that's, that's part of an output of the first template, and all the other templates will refer to that VPC ID. So you'll need the VPC. You'll need public subnets, and the load balancer is created and deployed into the public subnet. So it will, the load balancing template will need that value. You'll need private subnets where your ECS hosts are deployed. Private subnets will need the value of, I'm sorry, the ECS cluster will need the value of the private subnets themselves. Your, your security groups, load, load balancer listener is, is needed by the front end template and uh, the DNS name for the back end template. So let's, let's look at how you would potentially structure all of this. You can lump everything into one template, you can create one, one gigantic stack, but that tends to be a little bit of a management nightmare. So you'd want to either use nested stacks where you structure one parent template and uh, as Anil pointed out, use the AWS colon colon CloudFormation colon colon stack resource type and um, state each one of these templates, the network security load balancing cluster, et cetera, as sub-templates and create one microservice stack. It's important to, to handle a parent stack and, and all of its nested stacks as one grouped component and not treat them individually. Uh, you'll want to manage updates at that parent level. So what nested stacks allow you, allows you to do is have modularity and separate your templates, but yet at, treat the whole thing as one application. Or you could use cross-stack references. You could create individual stacks and then export values and use the function import value to import, um, to flow that configuration between those templates like you saw on the slide before. The, the, the difference with cross-stack references is that you'll need to manage the dependency of the, the creation order and the dependency of how these are, these are created. With a pipeline that's set up really, that, that set up is much, much simpler because you can, you can set up your pipeline to um, provision your stacks in order and, and the order in which they're created. Let's look at applying continuous delivery uh, to this setup. 
let's look at modeling a pipeline for this this application. Now, this is just a sample. Uh, this all this will all be posted on our docs page, and and feel free to to work off this sample. You can automate the rollout of your infrastructure as you iterate on various components of your application, various components of infrastructure that support your application. Your pipeline will trigger deployments and push changes through the various stages. What we have to enable the workflow and the flowing of infrastructure as code through the various stages is code pipeline. CloudFormation launched a recent integration with code pipeline. Code pipeline itself enables continuous delivery for fast and reliable application and infrastructure updates. Code pipeline builds, tests, and deploys your code each time there is a code change based on release processes you define. We've added built-in actions into code pipeline to deploy CloudFormation stacks to update stacks, delete stacks, and also use change sets. So we'll take a look at that. This is, this is a really neat integration that, that allows you to manage your workflow as code and then flow changes through your pipeline. Let's look at, let's take a step back and look at how this aligns with release phases. Anil talked about the source phase, the source um, phase, the, the build, test, and deploy. With CloudFormation in code pipeline, you have really source, test, and deploy. And the way we're looking at this is you have your templates in S3, Git, or uh, code commit, and you check in templates as you make changes to them. You use CloudFormation to verify what impacts those changes are going to have as they go through your various uh, stages using change sets. And finally, you deploy those changes either using just creating a stack, updating a stack, or using change sets to verify those changes before you make them. Let's look at, I, I, I took a shot at modeling a pipeline that, um, that customers typically have in their environment, right? So uh, in, in a lot of customer conversations, we've heard, hey, a network team sets standards and manages the networking components. The application teams then use those networking components and deploys into those VPCs, et cetera. That may not be the case for everybody, but uh, we've set up, I've taken that, um, uh, that kind of approach to modeling two separate pipelines. One's a network resource pipeline that can be managed at its own cadence. Um, and uh, in the, within this pipeline, I've set up a sandbox environment and a production environment, both with its own VPC security group and, and load balancing. So applications can be deployed in each environment separately. Also model an application pipeline, slightly different, but here it allows you to iterate on your application code more often, separate than your networking components. You may want to make changes very rarely to your networking, uh, to your networking setup. You want your application pipeline to trigger more often. So you set, up, set that up as a separate pipeline with dev and production. A um, little bit of an eye chart, but I'll, um, I will go to the pipeline itself at code pipeline and, uh, and allow you to see this in a little bigger, in, in a, uh, a little bit higher resolution. Uh, but essentially what this is is um, a, the network resource pipeline with a source stage 
uh, in this case, we picked S3. We've picked a dev environment that um, creates your VPCs, your security groups, and load balancers in order as those values from the VPC are used in the other two. Change sets then to preview changes before you push any of those changes to prod. A manual approval step that um, allows you to review and then approve any changes before it gets pushed to prod. And finally, an execution phase where the change sets are then applied to your prod um, environment. Similarly for your application, but slightly tweaked, is um, your source stage and, and, and always, with, even with S3, Git, of course, and code commit, um, code pipeline watches for changes as they're checked in um, uh, to these repos and triggers your pipeline each time there's a change. I've set up a dev environment, but I've also set up to um, run tests once your dev is set up, your dev environment is set up, and then uh, this pipe, particular pipeline is modeled to clean up your dev environment once you're done with it so you aren't charged for the, for the resources or instances you provision. And once you clean up, you can then push those changes to production. Um, similar to what we did on the network side, you can create a change set um, and go uh, verify the details of the change set, approve it, and push it to push it to prod. The details tab on 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 the slide there on the page in code pipelines allows you to takes you to CloudFormation to see the details of the change set. It'll tell you what resources are getting modified or replaced. So only expected actions are executed. And finally, changes are pushed to prod as, as soon as you make that manual approval. Manual approvals, are, manual approvals are optional, obviously, but highly recommended as it allows you to ensure that only expected actions are carried out. Um, now this is where it gets a little meta. Let's structure your workflow using CloudFormation. So use CloudFormation to structure your workflow, manage your workflow as code, and uh, make changes to it, and, and check that in as well, and, and manage your um, ma manage your pipeline as code. So for the in the, for this case, uh, CloudFormation template to set up your pipeline. We have a an S3 bucket um, to store the artifacts of the pipeline itself. So all the input and output artifacts are stored in this bucket. Um, a S a um, I'm sorry, SNS topic to receive notifications, email notifications when there are changes to be approved on your pipeline. The pipeline itself and the various stages defined in your CloudFormation template. And any IAM roles that, that you may need. Um, you need two IAM roles. One is to allow code pipeline to call CloudFormation on your behalf. And the other one is to allow CloudFormation to call the other services on your behalf. Um, ideally, you'd provision these roles in its own separate stack and have, have it managed independently. But for this example, I included all at one. Um, kind of an eye chart. Look at, uh, let's look at a particular stage, the construction of a stage in your CloudFormation template. This is a code pipeline stage for your dev environment. 
where you're creating a VPC, where it's being set up to create a VPC. So you give it a stage name. The action is to create your dev VPC. And then you have a number of, um, a number of properties there that describe the action configuration itself. You use, uh, in code pipeline, you choose the deploy action and CloudFormation as a provider. Uh, we've enabled several action modes. Replace on failure is the action mode I've picked here. It's pretty versatile. It uh, creates a stack if one doesn't exist. It updates it if it does. Or if it's in a failed state, it just replaces it. The, the name of your CloudFormation template within your repo. And um, there's two options for configurations for parameters. You can either use a, a template. Wow, this works. You can either use a template configuration file that has a JSON list of key value pairs for your parameters, or you can state overrides with all the, with any parameter that you want to explicitly set for your stack that's being created. In this case, I, I showed you all the parameters here just as a, as a reference, but what I really, what, what, what was essential for me to set for this dev stage was a dev environment and, uh, environment name, which I will use to tag to all my exports, like you will, uh, like I'll show you in a minute. So that's a, a sample snippet. Let's take a moment now and walk through uh, the actual templates themselves and then take a look at uh, the pipeline. Love these pretty window screens each time. Um, what you're able to see now is a template that configures your network pipeline. Uh, I've sort of consolidated to, uh, and, and I'll expand it as we go along. Um, parameters, what I'm basically sending this template is um, a name for the pipeline, a bucket where um, all my artifacts are, are stored, and um, and uh, the uh, the key for uh, the the actual artifact itself, and and e an email address for to for to allow the pipeline to send you notifications when uh, there are actions to be taken. As f as far as resources go, this template sets up an artifact store bucket, a which is a simple S3 bucket, your code pipeline um, SNS topic with email protocol, your pipeline itself. For the pipeline, you have your uh, artifact store bucket, and you have your various stages and the role that the pipeline will use. For the various stages, I have a source stage, as you saw in the, the slide before, a dev environment stage and a prod environment stage. Source stage points to the S3 bucket that you pass in. The dev environment does three things. It creates the dev VPC, the dev security group, and load balancer. You saw a snippet of the dev VPC before, so let's look at the security group. Same as before, deploy CloudFormation as a provider. Uh, your template path, I don't have any parameter um, configs here. 
The only parameter that this template needs is an environment name, so I'm passing in dev environment. And I set a, a run order for this particular action as run order two, so it's, it goes after your VPC. I do the same for your load balancers. Run order three. Then I have a, a, a stage for production. I have several actions to create change sets for each of, um, for each of the components, for each of the templates, uh, a step to approve those change sets and, and then execute. So let's look at create. Create gets you set up with um, the action mode here is change set replace, which creates a change set or replaces one that exists already. And um, you have your configuration file and your template path. The approval stage is a, a manual approval that AWS Code Pipeline has set up. And then an execution phase that uh, has an action mode of change set execute that essentially creates your, um, that pushes your changes or executes your change set. The role that CloudFormation will use uh, to execute actions on your behalf. In this case, we have a star um, permissions policy. You'd want to scope that down, of course. And your pipeline's role itself, where that you would provide code pipeline to call CloudFormation on your behalf. The application pipeline is similar. I'm not going to go into uh, this in gory detail, but what I do have set up here is four stages. Your source, your dev environment, uh, a cleanup and promote environment. I'm done with my testing. In a, in a real, in a, uh, in a true um, a scenario where you're making changes to the application code as well, you'll have uh, steps in here to either build or uh, test your application as well in addition to your infrastructure. Uh, so your workflow is set up that handles both infrastructure and application changes, um, which really saves you time. Clean up and promote stage, as I mentioned, and then uh, push to prod with uh, an, an action here to approve change sets before they're executed. So now let's look at the pipeline itself. Um, two of the pipelines are, are set up. Again, just to show you a larger view of, of what you've seen before. Your app pipeline has the um, um, templates being created in order of execution and a clean up and promote stage. And, and finally, uh, push to prod. Let me, um, at this point, take a, um, a minute to switch over to a video here that will show you how I make changes to uh, my templates and allow those changes to flow through your pipeline. So give me one second. This is the initial 
once the pipeline is set up and you've checked in your templates into the S3 repo, or the S3 bucket, rather, the pipeline gets going with uh, creating your VPC security group and load balancers. Uh, obviously, I've, I've sped through this video. It takes a little bit longer than, um, than five seconds. You can actually see the clock counter on, on each one of those steps. So, um, this is not as, as quick as this video shows that it is. Uh, your change sets are created and it prompts you for manual approval. In this case, I got an email saying that, hey, your, your pipeline, um, you have an action to be taken. And with, at this point, you can go verify um, your changes and, and approve them. I, w I wanted to, to take a look at what my, so once my network pipeline gets set up, I wanted to look at what exports are um, what, what exports are available that the application pipeline, application stacks can consume. Uh, you have a number of exports here. All are namespaced uh, with um, the, the, the environment and the name of the export itself. And uh, you have your exports for dev and prod. Going back through the application pipeline, looking at um, the actions that are taken once your templates are checked in for your app. At, at that at that point, once your dev environment is set up, you, you obviously have other actions to um, deploy your application, test your application, ensure that it, it is working the way you want it to before you say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to push this to prod and clean up. Kind of sped through that here and moving through that approval step of cleanup. Change sets are being created for prod with a notification for manual approval. In this case, I want to go make sure that only expected actions are being carried out. So I go to my CloudFormation stacks for my prod stacks, and I look up the I look up the change set. And I can see the resources that are going to be created as part of this action. In this case, we're, we're adding five resources, and that's okay with me. Same with the other change sets that are created for the front end and the back end service. I'm happy with it, now I'm gonna approve it, and it's gonna to move to the next phase, which is to execute those change sets. And once this completes, let's look at making a change to 
your infrastructure configuration and, and see those changes flow through your, your pipeline. I have a configuration file uh, for my ECS cluster. I'm going to change the cluster size to six. I'm going to change the, this is a very simple basic change, but just to show you how these get pushed through the pipeline. I'm going to change the desired count of my task def. And for my front end and back end service, save those templates, put them back in my repo. and look at the changes cascade through my pipeline. In this case, I didn't want to clean up my I apologize. I just wanted to verify that those changes were made. In this case, I didn't want to, um, to clean up my environment just yet. I wanted to run my application tests, make sure everything's working right. So, um, so I kind of stopped there, didn't push it to prod. I, I go to my ECS console just to verify that everything is working as, as expected. I do have my right number of um, desired tasks and um, registered um, container instances. So everything appears to be fine. All my changes have been pushed. So that's kind of a demo of how you push changes through your, your workflow. Set up your workflow and push changes through your workflow as you iterate on your infrastructure. So in summary here, just to close out, we've seen a way to handle infrastructure's code, how to set up your workflow for your infrastructure, different ways to compose your infrastructure with CloudFormation using cross-stack references and or nested stacks. How to provision your, your pipeline and deliver changes as you make, uh, as you make changes to your, your environments, your templates, rather. There are more sessions where you can gather more info on what we presented. Um, Dev 403, in particular, is, is a, um, a more advanced session on um, code pipeline that includes an example application and making changes to application code that's pushed through, and that's tomorrow. The CloudFormation documentation page has several links that uh, will give you more info about our code pipeline setup and, um, and, and how you can take advantage of the various features that we've built into our CloudFormation integration. There's some links for you to consume. And that's it, folks. That's, that's what we have here for this, this presentation. Um, thank you very much for, for listening to this, and, and please remember to complete your evaluation.